2: I managed to lose 50 kilograms of weight. Previously, I weighed 120 kilograms at a height of 160. That is twice my weight. These were the worst days of my life, but I managed to surpass myself. Want a personal motivation story? Then watch this video and put class. My name is Leah. I was born already a large child. My weight was almost five kilos with a height of 50 centimeters. My mother often told me how every month it became more difficult for her to lift me in her arms. In kindergarten, I was considered the plumpest girl. It's not just about the wide bone, as they say. My parents tell me that I had a great appetite. I ate absolutely everything in a row. But unfortunately, our family did not particularly like fruits or vegetables. More often, there was junk food on the table. In addition to meat, there were a lot of flour products and a lot of sweets. I was gaining more and more pounds, and it was getting harder to move. So, by the end of school, I weighed almost 90 kilos. Against the background of thin classmates, I began to feel depressed, although it was as long as I can remember. And then I could not even pick up a beautiful ball gown. I could only fit into a track suit, and even the teachers didn't tell me anything about the dress code at school because they saw how fat I was. This pity on the part of the adults only made me feel worse. The family only avoided this topic, but refused to eat healthy food. I dieted a million times and broke down, then gained twice as much as I lost. Because of complexes before the prom night, I began to eat even more and gained another 5 kilos. For this reason, I decided not to go there at all. Because I thought too much about my figure, my academic performance was poor. I didn't have any friends, and I didn't play sports, so I didn't even count on a scholarship. Three of the colleges have denied me admission due to objective reasons. Who needs a student with zero achievements? My parents were willing to buy my education and pay for college, but I was ashamed of them and myself. I felt worthless. One day, sitting at the TV late at night, eating another batch of buns... I saw on TV a display of beautiful evening dresses and suddenly realized that I don't have any dresses. I've had wide-legged trousers and t-shirts all my life. I stopped and looked at myself in the mirror. At that moment, I saw not only a fat body full of despair, but loneliness for the rest of my life. If I live at this pace, I will not only have no friends, but also love. I was suddenly afraid and this fear grew with every spoonful of junk food. That night, I kept a notebook for myself where I wrote down my plans, food plan, lifestyle, and goal. I clearly scheduled everything by day of the week so as to not allow myself to snap again. The next day, I signed up for a gym that was far from home. I specifically chose one to walk back and forth. The first day I met the coach, his name was Noah. He understood me without a word and immediately drew up a program of classes. At first, it was very difficult for me. I felt the weight of my body. I was suffering from shortness of breath. My muscles were flabby like jelly. It was difficult for me among people I didn't know. All these new simulators. I didn't know what to do with them. I was very lost. My hands were shaking because I couldn't do it after two weeks of classes. So I came out after another failure in the hall and just roared. Nothing will help me now. I was born fat and I will die fat. I said aloud. At that moment, my coach came up to me. Noah said that working on yourself is the most difficult and showed me his photos. No, it can't be. He was even fatter than me. I weighed 200 kilograms. Only at that moment, I had a wife and child. At some point, I got depressed, just like you were eating. I ate everything, but especially a lot of hamburgers. Unbeknownst to me, I had grown so fat that I could no longer walk. Of course, I stopped working, and my wife had to support me, the child, and herself. It was hard for her, but she was silent and worked. I saw it all and hated myself even more. And then I left, so as to not hang a weight on the fragile shoulders of my beloved, he said. I asked what happened next. He said that now I see another person, strong in body and spirit. I showed you the photo, not so that you lose weight, but so that you don't give up. I have changed now. I started earning money by playing sports, but I still can't get my family back because I lost it over the years. I can't go in there now, and you don't give up. Don't make my mistakes before it's too late, he said. These words made me think about a lot. I came home and opened my notebook again. All the next day, I faithfully fulfilled all the tasks of the trainer, not sparing myself or the simulators. When I thought my heart was going to burst from the strain, I would stop, take a deep breath, and start again a few minutes later. My clothes were soaked with sweat, and my lungs were ready to burst with oxygen. But I didn't stop. About a month later, I got on the scales, and I saw that I weighed not 120, but 100 kilos! Minus 20 kilos! Yeah! I screamed in tears. I couldn't believe that I had lost as much as 20 kilos in one month. It was only at that moment that I noticed that I had been strapping my old pants with a belt for a long time. And my t-shirt was waving like a sail. It's time for you to go shopping, Noah said, smiling. In a rush of joy, I threw myself at him and hugged him. But this was not the limit. The next day, my mother and I went shopping, where I bought a new tracksuit. My mother asked me why I didn't buy a dress like I wanted, but I said I would only do it after I lost another 30 kilos. On the way home, she told me that she and my father were more proud of me than ever. I was happy to hear that. Well then, we went on another level of my diet and exercise. I took a double load. Over time, I noticed that sports became a way of life for me. I no longer wanted to eat unhealthy. Bad mood just because I was almost always happy. I had the pleasure aching pain in the muscles from easy dinner with a salad. Several times I was approached on the street on the way to the gym to get acquainted. Attention from the outside attracted not only elastic ass, I think I shone from the inside. After two and a half months of intensive training, I achieved my result. My weight was 70 kilograms. After the weigh-in, I invited Noah home to celebrate. I introduced him to my parents. We had a lovely evening. The coach said I was his best student, and at the end of the dinner, my mother gave me a gift. She bought me a black evening dress, the first in my life. It was beautiful. I tearfully hugged my parents, then put on my new clothes as soon as possible. And you know, This dress has become a symbol of the will to win and work on yourself. This feeling with the back zipper closes without any problems in the back and does not cut into the fat is incomparable, I whispered to my mother. Then Noah and I went straight to the club. He said that people should see me today. Now it's time for a new life. Hi, everyone. I'm Jessica. I'm 18 years old. I want to tell you my thick story. This is a fairly common problem. I weigh more than 90 kilograms. To be honest, it is difficult for me to talk about it now, and it is unpleasant to remember. But I still want to tell you about all this, because maybe then someone will think about whether they correctly characterize their life positions. I've been fat all my life, from childhood. I was born plump and round-cheeked and all. But if at the beginning it still touches the environment, the older you get, the harsher and tougher the world treats you. For girls, I believe in general, much higher requirements for external beauty than for men. This is how it's happened historically. The first time I encountered the problem that hashtag, I am not like others was when I was probably not even three years old. I went to a dance class at the time and I didn't understand why some of the kids avoided me until the scorn and mockery came out in the open and it started, I won't say that every day, but for my characteristic, I got it. Every time I tried to make friends there, the guys would say something like, don't be friends with her, she's fat. Can you imagine? I was only three years old. I still remember. Children's grievances are very difficult to forget. I don't remember if I was really fat, but I stood out for sure. There were, of course, good guys but they were more than overlaid by those who made me remember nothing good from my childhood. But despite this, I still loved to dance. Even if I was alone sometimes, but at the moment of dancing, I forgot all the problems and did not feel plump, fluttered like a butterfly. At school, of course, the bullying did not stop, but on the contrary, became even stronger. I tried not to pay attention to them and not give them special significance. Children, I can tell you, can be very cruel sometimes. Fat lady, a barrel, a cow. What you will not hear in your address at school. I have noticed that people do not like those who stand out or somehow separate from the team. If you somehow separate, then your most noticeable feature is turned into a flaw that needs to be mocked. Smart nerd, glasses bespectacled, full fat, thin worm, etc. Besides, I didn't have any friends. I tried everything to lose weight. I went to fitness halls, followed different diets, and starved myself. But all came up empty. Because everyone treats me like this. I was kind of depressed all the time. It was only when I was eating that I could cheer myself up a little. Apparently, everything would have continued like this if I hadn't had one situation happen to me. After graduation, we started preparing for graduation. How are we? Everyone was preparing, and I just watched from the sidelines. And at that moment, the prom was supposed to be held. I loved two things, dancing and eating. But when we were sharing in pairs, I came across a very thin and tall guy named Dave. The others simply didn't want to, and he had no choice but to agree. But there was a problem. There was an element in the dance where the guys have to lift the partner and spin, and Dave wouldn't have been able to lift me or even put his arms around me. But I couldn't miss it, and I gave my word that no matter what, I would lose weight by the ball. I had two months to do it. I started making a strict diet plan, removed all high-calorie meals from the diet, and signed up for fitness. It was supposed to work out but it was very stressful for my body. This plan was only enough for a day. The next day, I couldn't resist eating a bun. I guess I'm not strong enough to bear it, or I didn't want it that much. Already desperate, I just decided to go to a secret meeting of anonymous fatties, thinking that maybe there I will find some comfort for myself. I had never been to such meetings before, and I was wondering what stories someone had. Basically, everyone has the same problems. Everyone told me what they had to go through because of this, so to speak, feature. And I'm not the only one. At the meeting, I met a happy, sweet girl named Heather. Got into conversation, and I found out that we have a lot of similarities. She was also very complex because of her excess weight, tried various methods of weight loss, but all in vain. But at these meetings, She realized that being overweight is not a problem. She explained that beauty can be different, and it is not necessary to be thin. We had a nice chat, and I told her my upcoming situation, to which she replied that there is a good and unusual solution to my problem. And here is graduation day. Heather helped me pack. Picked up an insanely beautiful dress and made a stunning makeup. I admit I didn't expect to look like this myself. Everyone in school froze in surprise at the sight of me. In their eyes, I saw that they were amazed at my appearance. It gave me confidence, and I wasn't as shy as I used to be. During the dance, on the advice of my new friend Heather, on the element when guys would lift their partners in their arms, I picked up Dave instead. Everyone laughed at this moment, but it was no longer a mocking laugh, but a laugh of admiration. We even received an award for this number as the most creative dance. I will never forget that night, because that's when I realized that you don't have to be thin to be beautiful. And excess weight is not a problem. The main thing is who you are on the inside, not the outside. Friends, if you liked my story, share it with others.
0: Hi, my name is Kira, and recently memory lapses almost ruined my life. Now I'm back to normal and remember almost everything with ease. Well, my memory problems didn't start at birth. All junior high and first years of high school, I remembered absolutely everything. I was a great student, memorized stuff easily, and even helped my friends with their lessons. Kira has a phenomenal memory, the teacher said. She can memorize long poems formulas, and dates very quickly. You have to use that ability. My parents were thrilled. They complimented me all the time and said that they had high hopes for my amazing memory. I won school competitions. I was the best in my class and even in the whole school. However, my triumph didn't last long. If in junior high school, they still wanted to be friends with me because I was the smartest. Then in high school, of course, I had my detractors. Those of you who are at least once the best at something know how it is. One day you get a round of applause, and the next day they're calling you names behind your back. That's exactly what happened to me. My first enemy was Olivia. We went to different schools in junior high, and she was the best at hers. Now she had a rival in my person. At first, Olivia took my progress as a challenge. Kira, congratulations, you did the best on the test. My teacher complimented me one day. Olivia snorted loudly and hissed, leaning toward her friend. Big deal. One time. Let's see who's the best next week. But next week, too, my test was judged the best. And next week, and the next week. That's how Olivia knew I wasn't just a misunderstanding, but a real competitor and an enemy. One day, a classmate caught me in the school hallway, pinned me against the wall, and blurted it out. Listen you, if you think you're the smartest, I hasten to disappoint you. I've collected every award in my school and I'm going to do it again. But what can I do if I have a perfect memory? I shrugged my shoulders. Just admit it that you're number two now, that's all. Olivia recoiled from me and stared wide-eyed. She looked like I would punched her in the face. Number two? We'll see about that. I would do anything to make my parents proud. And the classmate wasn't lying. I wasn't too worried at the time. What's she gonna do, kill me? That's ridiculous. I didn't even tell my parents about the story, but Olivia was determined. She and her friends were going to teach me a lesson. The girls broke into my locker, stuffed it full of books and broke the lock. When I tried to open the locker door to put my things, it didn't open right away. I pulled the door as hard as I could. It flew open and a ton of heavy books and textbooks fell on my head. In fact, that was the beginning of the worst chapter of my life. After the blows on my head, I lost consciousness. I didn't know what kind of books those bitches had put in there. Probably all the volumes of a medical encyclopedia. I woke up already in the hospital. The first thing I saw were my parents' upset faces. Kira! My mother exclaimed. How are you feeling, honey? What happened? I couldn't remember anything at all. My parents told me about the locker and the books. The doctors reassured my parents. They said it was just a minor bruise and that it wouldn't affect my life in any way. For about an hour, my mom and dad calmed me down and promised me I'd be home in a couple of days. ''You need more sleep now,'' he said. Dad stroked my head. ''We'll definitely visit you tomorrow.'' But at that moment, I suddenly looked at my parents fearfully and asked, ''Where am I? What happened?'' And that's when mom and dad realized that the bruise wasn't so minor. Yes, I had blackouts and they reoccurred so often that every hour, my parents had to, from the beginning, to tell me where I was and what had happened. The doctors were just throwing up their hands. They took all the necessary x-rays and found nothing wrong. From that moment on, however, my life changed completely. At first, my parents still hoped that returning to my familiar surroundings would help me with my memory lapses. However, on the first day, I had a real tantrum when I suddenly found myself in the middle of the school hallway. I had completely forgotten how I woke up this morning, how I was going to school, and I didn't remember the way to school either. No, schooling is out of the question, said a worried dad. Only distance learning. But distance learning wasn't gonna do any good either. Once I had learned something, within an hour, I couldn't remember anything I'd learned. That's how my successes ended. And most importantly, I didn't know who had set up the textbook incident. I vaguely remember disturbing Olivia's life, but I couldn't remember our last conversation or anything that might have pointed to a classmate. But I was sure that one day I would remember everything and find the culprit that was phenomenal. My memory would now be considered by the dory fish. About a week after I switched, after I switched to homeschooling, someone rang our doorbell. I went downstairs and froze. Standing on the doorstep was Olivia and her friends. My mom, who had opened the door for guests, I think she was confused too. I'd been sick the whole time. None of my classmates or school friends had ever come to see me. Oh, that's right. I don't have any friends. Kira, how are you feeling? We came to check on you. Olivia seemed very sincere, and so did the girls who decided to keep her company. Seemed pretty friendly. I sensed some kind of unease but I couldn't figure out what I didn't like. My mother invited my classmates into the house. She set the table and we all sat down for tea. You really don't remember anything at all? Olivia asked me thoughtfully. I remember things until I black out. I don't remember much since then, since I came to my senses, I explained. What do the doctors say? Will your memory come back? My mom explained to the girls that the doctors are trying to help me but so far the therapy is having very little effect. The girls were relieved and looked at each other. I was very pleased that they cared about me. However, by the end of the tea party, I had lost some of my memory again. Olivia, girls, what are you doing here? I stared at the guests in surprise and they stared at me. Your friends are here to see you, said my mother patiently. Friends? I don't remember having any friends at all. Olivia suddenly jumped to me and took my hand. Of course we're friends, Kira! You're so good, and you're about to be the best in school again! The girl almost cried, and I smiled back at her. Weird. My scrappy memories were telling me that she and I were major enemies. But how could an enemy care so much? I must have got it all wrong. One morning, my mother left me home alone. She needed to get to the office right away. I'll sign the papers and be right back, honey. Don't worry, I smiled. I'll just lie down and watch the show. Nothing will happen." But about 15 minutes after mom left, the doorbell rang. I had to go downstairs and open it. There was Olivia on the doorstep. Hi, Kira! I took the afternoon off from class and I thought, Why don't we go for a walk together? You probably don't get out of the house at all. Yeah, I rarely went out and I only went out with my parents. We were always in a hurry to get back before I'd forgotten everything again. I don't even know. It was scary to leave home without my mom and dad, but Olivia was my friend. We'll just go for a ride in the park and come back. I got changed, got on my friend's bike, and we rode. We rode quite a long time. I was beginning to get worried. In general, I remembered my neighborhood, but at some point I realized I didn't recognize the houses and cafes we were passing. Aren't we far away? I got worried. No, we're right down the street, Olivia smiled. A poor thing, your memory lapses. I calmed down. Yes, it was probably my memory that was playing tricks on me again. Finally, we stopped. I got off the bike and looked around. There were only abandoned houses and deserted streets around. This isn't a park. I think I took a wrong turn. Olivia was puzzled. Let me ask someone for directions because my phone is dead. The phone, I forgot all about it. My cell phone is on the bed in my room. I must hurry back in case my mother comes looking for me. Stay here and don't go anywhere, my friend told me and drove around the corner. And then I lost my memory again. I found myself in the middle of an unfamiliar street with no memory of how I got here. I was in such a panic. What am I gonna do now? Where are my parents and where is my home? Why didn't I have my phone with me and where had all the people gone? Crying, I sat down on the sidewalk. Hey, miss. I looked up and saw a man. He was looking out the window of his car, coming out of nowhere. Is something wrong? I'm lost. I don't know where I am or how to get home. Wow. Do you remember your address? I'll give you a lift. The man seemed friendly enough. He got out of the car and headed towards me. But then my memory, which had failed me time and again, reminded me of maniacs and murderers who also look nice, and then lure their victims into a trap. Stay away from me! I screamed at the top of my lungs. Miss, I'm a policeman. The man went to his pocket for some reason. I thought for sure he was going to kill me. So I jumped up and ran down the street as far as I could see. But I didn't run for long. I tripped on the uneven pavement and fell down, hitting my head as hard as I could. I woke up again in the hospital. And again, my parents were leaning over me. Kira! My mother was crying now. Did you find me? That's good. I went with Olivia and I got lost and that man. You remember everything? Yes, after another stroke, my memory magically came back to me. And now I remember everything. The feud with Olivia and her threats and how she showed up at my house pretending to be my friend. Sometimes people cross the line to be the best they can be. Like Olivia, trying to get her parents' approval, she went completely off the rails. My classmate was just trying to teach me a lesson by doing that prank with the textbooks. But when I lost my memory, I realized I overreacted. It's one thing to have a bump, but it's another to lose consciousness and amnesia. Olivia was afraid of getting kicked out of school for that prank or even go to jail. So she first made sure I remembered very little and then decided to play it safe and take me away to another neighborhood, leaving me alone. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? I don't know what would have happened to me if it hadn't been for that policeman. Even on his day off, he couldn't get past a damsel in distress. Olivia didn't go to jail, but now she has to work with a psychologist all the time. And I'm back to being the best student ever. If you were me, would you forgive Olivia? Be sure to share your thoughts in the comments below this clip.
1: Mrs. Dunn, I can't let you in. The head of the mansion's security said sternly, blocking my way to the helipad. He used to be good to me. That's right, I'm Mrs. Dunn. It's my house too. Get out of my way or I'll fire you. I didn't even think I could be so bossy. Your husband said that you are deprived of your right to property. It is true, temporarily. This square cretin coldly rapped out and smiled disgustingly. You want to know why it all turned against me? Well, okay. My name is April and this is the story of how I married the ugliest, but richest guy for his money. I freaked out and went to the garage where my faithful personal driver was always waiting for me. But the driver refused to drive me too. He just looked at me in disappointment and said that after what I'd done, he wouldn't even let me get in the car. But we're friends, help me. I pounded my fists desperately on the limo glass Mr. Dunn is my friend too. I never imagined that you could hurt his heart so much. The driver shook his head and turned away. Well, I don't care. I'll take a cab myself. While I was hailing a cab, it started pouring rain, and they wouldn't even let me under the roof. Everyone in the mansion hated me. Although having lived in poverty for a long time, I imagined life in the mansion as something fabulous. You think this is going to be a story about a poor grey mouse that no one noticed? No, it wasn't quite like that. That's the thing, I've always been beautiful. I didn't have any money for makeup, but even without it, guys liked me. In fact, it was for my natural beauty that they valued me. But our life is not a love affair. Beauty doesn't matter to many people if you don't have a scent. First of all, my terrible worn clothes ruined everything. Even the guys who liked me didn't dare go out with me because they just get laughed at. Secondly, my mother worked as a janitor at school and was strict with everyone. She was always trying to protect me. But it didn't help because I was an outcast for the rest of high school. I had a hard time getting into college. It was there that I finally began to feel like a normal person. The students didn't pay as much attention to my status. I realized this when all of us, poor and rich alike, gathered for a student initiation ceremony. There were several hundred of us in the gym. Everyone was having fun. And then paint came pouring down from the ceiling. It was really cool. Then the senior men handed out water pistols. We poured water on each other. And student life would have been fine if I hadn't, out of habit, avoided people. I had only one friend, Ellie. I was blowing guys off because I was ashamed of myself. But then there he was, my future husband. There was a rumor going around college that Dylan Dunn was going to appear in person at the session. All the girls were excited, and some of them even changed their looks to get attention. Ha, Dylan Dunn. Is that short for Dee Dee? That is so ridiculous. I was amused by his first and last name, but Ellie didn't share my humor. This is the son of Alan Dunn himself. Someday his designs will eclipse the glory of Apple. So that's what this is about? Is it all about the money? I didn't even try to hide my disappointment. He is a millionaire and he must be so handsome that our athletes can't compare to him. No one has ever seen him before. Indeed, Dylan was not on any social network. The mysterious millionaire. And there were a lot of rumors flying around about him. Some of the girls even suggested that Dylan and his family were mysterious vampires with unimaginable wealth, like in Twilight. But the guys were only leaning towards one theory, that Dylan Dunn was just a rich jerk. And then the day X came. Dylan arrived at the college in a fancy limousine. Everyone was shocked. The limo door swung open all by itself. The girls gathered around in anticipation. To see how the handsome man would step outside and the sun would sparkle on his cold, pale skin. All these dreams were shattered by amicable laughter and whistling. Out of the limousine came a guy as ridiculous as possible. Nickname Dee Dee suited him perfectly. He was unnaturally thin, with long, bleached hair. Instead of a classy, stylish suit, He wore stretched, shapeless clothes. On the first day, Dylan was named the ugliest guy in the entire college. But you know what surprised me the most? The girls still ran after him. I don't get it. It's about the money again. I was pacing around my friend's room, fiddling with a pillow. People don't care about your looks as long as you have money. Ellie calmly watched how the contents of her pillow were flying all over the room. And you think that's normal? I hate greedy people. April, relax. My friend even stood up. Why does that worry you so much? Because I've never held more than a thousand bucks in my life, I've never had any money, and greenbacks ruined my life in high school. Everybody's so obsessed with it, they forget about humanity. And then I noticed that my friend's entire room was like covered in snow. I destroyed all the pillows. The worst part was realizing that secretly, I wanted to be rich too. I told Ellie one thing, and in my head, I kept thinking about the fact that I wanted, for once, to feel what it was like to be rich. And soon, I had a chance to find out. In front of a pair, Ellie caught me in the hallway and took me aside. Dylan likes you. Her eyes lit up with excitement. Why would you think that? He looks at you in that way, and half the girls in college want to kill you for it. That's ridiculous. I turned away and suddenly bumped into Dylan. The weirdo stared at me without blinking. And then he held out his skinny hand and smiled. Oh no, or, oh yes, what should I do? My head simply shut off at this moment. It's not just a guy, it's a millionaire. If I reciprocate, then all my troubles will disappear on their own. I would have money. On the other hand, I didn't want to stoop to those who chase guys for money and Dee Dee, though a ridiculous freak, is still a human being. I couldn't do that to him. And you already know that I couldn't resist the temptation for long. It all started with gifts. Dylan didn't dare give them to me personally. He'd toss them to me, or give them to me through the guards. And he himself watched me closely from a distance. At first I just ignored the gifts, and then I started giving them back. Dylan, Don't waste your money and my nerves. I don't want anything from you. I'm sorry, but you are not my type. I returned the unlimited membership to the best spa center in town that he'd given me. Dylan said money was such a small thing. The most important thing is a person's soul. And then he added that he could see he wasn't my type. But he didn't understand that because other girls are not repulsed by his looks at all. I had to tell him the truth, and I told him honestly that for a purse full of millions, they are ready for many things. I know, he answered with a smile. That's why I like you. Accept my gift. It's from the bottom of my heart. You barely know me. Why all this? Dylan said that I was the only one and that he really liked me. Me? Oh, look, what a beautiful bird! I shouted and ran away like a complete fool while he was looking in the direction I had pointed. My head was filled with all kinds of thoughts. I didn't like Dylan at all, but he liked me. What's more, he is willing to shower me with money just for talking to him. And that's when my head exploded. I started talking to Dylan, and then I started pretending that I liked him. And the more I pretended, the more generous he was. It's true, I had to transfer to distance learning. It became dangerous to be in college. Dylan's admirers gave me hell. Of course they thought it was because I was beautiful, so the main blow fell on my appearance. They pelted me with all sorts of nasty stuff and ruined my clothes, but the most cringeworthy part was ahead. They grabbed me and put a lot of self-tanner on me, and one of them took out a hair clipper and shaved me bald. I ended up being a bald bronze statue. But Dylan didn't turn his back on me and started spending even more money on me. And then we flew to Paris, and he proposed to me, right at the top of the Eiffel Tower. I couldn't refuse. It wasn't out of love. But I tried to kid myself that getting married would make him happy, and me, rich. Everyone will remain on the plus side. Ellie didn't approve of my position. That is so low. I don't believe you will do that. You're the one who disapproved of the pursuit of wealth, and now you're one of those dolls? She didn't even look at me, turned her back to the window. And then she continued, you're taking advantage of him. I can't believe my friend has turned into such a monster. And we had a fight. She didn't even come to my fancy wedding. Now I was fabulously rich, but that didn't make me any happier. Money didn't warm my soul. And the longer I lived in Dylan's mansion, the worse I felt. Everyone here adored my husband for his kindness. Already at the age of 19, he was contributing huge sums to charity. What's more, as it turned out, he used to be handsome. Dylan ruined his own looks to show everyone that beauty is not the main thing. And he loved me very much. Everyone at the mansion respected and appreciated me, but no one knew what a snake I really was. The situation worsened when i realized i was falling in love with my husband that's wonderful you'll say no it's a total fiasco i will answer at least i used to be able to lie and play my part but the warmer i felt about him the harder it was to deal with my conscience i wish i'd told him the truth right away but i didn't i don't know how he found out but maybe ellie did dd Dee Dee drove away and I was left in a mansion with people who hated me. That's why I was waiting for a cab in the pouring rain. I knew where Dylan was going. That's why I followed him, to tell him how I felt. Dylan, I love you for real. I couldn't hold back my tears, and I hugged him, but he pulled away. Why should I believe you? You're such a good liar. Dylan, I'm ready to lose all the money. I'm ready to go back to that trailer where I spent my entire childhood, as long as you forgive me and believe in my feelings. You don't have to give me a dime for the rest of my life, but I want to be with you. This conversation went on for a long time, and Dylan said he'd give me another chance, but now everyone would be watching me closely. I paid the price for my greed by losing people's trust, lost a friend, and almost lost my husband. There's only one conclusion to be drawn. Greed ruins lives, turning people into animals. Have you ever succumbed to greed? Share your stories in the comments.
3: Like this video and send it to your friends. That night, I stood in front of the student lockers and stuffed a bunch of letters into them. Suddenly, the alarm rang and a security guard came. Huh? No one's here? Hmm, maybe it's just some mic. After he left, I breathed a sigh of relief because I wasn't discovered. <laughs> Can you guys guess where I am? Huh. I'm here, on top of a closet with a super cool hiding pose like Elastigirl. Hi, I'm Annie, 17 years old. Currently, I'm studying in the most disciplined boarding school on Holly Island, England, the school that could make any student tremble when they hear its name. If you misbehaved just once, you would be severely disciplined. Unfortunately for that school, I'm the girl who was born to break every single rule. At this place, it was mandatory to follow a set of rules which included no romance, no defamation, no phone in class. If we broke any of these three, it would either leave an ugly remark on our school records, or get a expelled. spell. Still, the school believed they were very merciful because phones were allowed in the dormitory, but little did they know that the phone signals and network there were so weak huh that our phones were practically useless. We couldn't contact each other at all. So, I came up with a bold business idea. Using letters to communicate. I'd be the mailwoman and charge them accordingly. But occasionally, I ran into a few problems. Once, when I was secretly putting a letter from Mary into her boyfriend's locker, the superintendent caught me. Annie, show me that piece of paper. I tried to run away but he held me back. When he thought he was about to catch the mastermind behind the mailing service, he opened the paper and saw nothing but scribbles inside. What does this mean? Is there a rule that prohibits drawing, ah. sir? The superintendent got angry and left. Are you surprised? While running away, I switched Mary's letter with the one bowl of scribbles that I had prepared in case I got caught. Smart, right? <laughs> but not every time I was able to escape so smoothly. Two months ago, during one of my mailing trips during the night, I had to go to the parking lot. I was tying the letter neatly under the oak tree when suddenly a light flashed at me. Who's there? Afraid of being discovered, I slipped behind a pickup truck and climbed into it to hide. Suddenly, the truck started to roar and sped away. I was so scared that I slammed on the truck's door. Drop me down! I'm right here! The truck braked and a young man screamed angrily. Are you nuts? Why did you climb here? It was a very strange looking man. I had never huh? seen him at school before. He introduced himself as Alvin, the new school janitor. When Alvin was asking me why I was at school in the middle of the night, (gasps) accidentally, a bunch of letters from my coat fell down on the ground. I hastily picked them up. Oh, you're the operator of the secret mailing service. Nope. So why else would you come to school at night with a pile of letters? Okay, fine, you're right. It's me, but you can't tell this to anyone. Hmm. Elvin agreed on one condition. He wanted to join my mailing service and get a share of the profits. Although I didn't Uh. want to, I had to agree. After that day, Elvin officially became my partner in crime. I went to school by morning to study and broke into the school (laughs) by night to deliver letters with him. The number of people who wanted to send letters was increasing and the purpose of the letters went from love confessing to attacking each other. One day, I received an anonymous request to send a cursed letter to Farrell, the fearsome bully at my school. I didn't want to. However, Alvin convinced me to do it because the client would pay us a lot of money, so I hesitantly accepted. That night, I took the letter to Farrell's locker, but suddenly, there was a loud noise. Alvin quickly pushed me into the corner as footsteps were approaching. Who's there? We held our breath. Alvin held my hand tightly while our hearts pounded with fear. Who touched my locker? Realizing that we could not escape easily, Alvin came out to face Farrell and got beaten right away. The alarm bell rang loudly and the school security came immediately. I was about to rush out to save Alvin, but he ran away to distract them from seeing me. The very next day, Alvin was suspended from work. As for Farrell, because he had bribed the superintendent, he was released. It was so unfair! I quickly went to Alvin's home. When he saw me, he just sighed. Well, it was fun while it lasted, kid guess it's time for me to retire. No! I'll get justice for you! With that said, I left his house. In my mind, I decided to do one last mailing service. I would send my own letter to the principal. That evening, while waiting for the principal to leave, I snuck inside and placed a two-page letter pointing out the absurdity of the school and the darkness lurking behind its perfect image. Suddenly, the door to the principal's office was slammed shut. Ah. Out of nowhere, Feral came to me with a baseball bat. Haha, <laughs> caught ya, male woman. He swung the bat repeatedly and broke all the furniture in the room. When he accidentally hit a bookcase, causing the thick <gasps> to fall on his head, I immediately dashed to the door. Feral quickly grabbed me, but unfortunately, the principal showed up in the nick of time. He and the superintendent hurriedly stopped Feral. After Feral and I were sent to the supervisor's room to reflect on our wrongdoings, suddenly there was a knock on the door. When the hmm? door opened, I was <gasps> shocked to see Alvin in a smart suit. Farrell, you're expelled due to school vandalism and intentionally causing injury. What?! Farrell angrily launched at Alvin, but he immediately stopped his sponge. What are you to expel me?! <gasps> I'm the inspector of the National Department of Education. I was sent here to investigate violations and complaints about the school. Security, <sighs> get him out. I was really shocked to learn this fact. It turned out that Alvin had broken into the school under the mask of a janitor to investigate and protect his true identity. Soon after, the security took Pharaoh out. The principal appeared right after that. He smashed my letter to the table. How dare you insult our sacred school rules? I'm not insulting anything. You must see how ridiculous these hmm. rules are. They're making the students suffer. Suddenly, Alvin poured out from his coat a lot of letters from the students. They were letters complaining about the school's strict rules, along with many photos of bullying and bribery. You'll have to think twice when looking at these. The principal picked them up as his <gasps> eyes whitened. After a while, he made a shocking decision bring those who took bribes to the court, expel those who were violent, and at the same time, repeal all previous rules. From there, students can freely connect with each other, use their phones to study, and give honest feedback on the quality of teaching. As for me, it was illegal to break into the school at night to send letters, so I was still disciplined. But thanks to those letters, everything came to light, so I was quickly allowed to go back to school normally. As for Alan, after settling everything, he returned to the Department <laughs> of Education to report on the results. I really hope to see Alan again one day to thank him personally.
4: Share this podcast to all social media TikTok, Instagram
5: This was like a dream come true. That gorgeous man in front of me is Ethan, my crush since I was just 14. Back then, Ethan was my dad's business partner. So he'd often come over to our house for dinner. For years, I adored him in secret. But now, at 19, I could finally be honest about my feelings. So when I ran into him by chance in the grocery store, I felt like it was meant to be. He invited me for a drink in the cafe nearby, and we instantly hit it off. We started dating, and now we're an official couple. There's just one thing that worries me. Ethan is recently divorced and has a 10-year-old daughter, Clarice, who he has full-time. While daydreaming, I couldn't hide away from the thought of being someone's stepmom. Oh my, I didn't want to become a mom yet. Don't worry, Clarice is a cute kid. I just know you two will get along. Clarice gave me a devious smile the moment she saw me. Another fish got hooked. Huh? Hey, that's not the right manner. Apologize, now! Ethan immediately said. Clarice let out a loud, Ugh! Then reluctantly apologized. Great! When has it ever been easy to be friends with a naughty ten-year-old girl? I understand this better than most, as I have a little sister. She's either giving me a headache or crazing at me for candy, and I could tell that Clarice was going to be no different. (sighs) One day, Ethan called me in a panic, saying he had an urgent business trip. They informed me at the very last minute. I didn't have time to find a babysitter. Can you help me take care of Clarice for a few days? What? I've only just met the girl, and now I have to mind her for a few days? I still didn't know what to say when Ethan continued. I'll make it up to you after this. And then, the next thing I knew, Clarice was at my front door. Oh gosh, somebody help me! Well, you know those girls that age, like my little sister? I kept pouring out while Mike just smiled and slightly shook his head. I have to make her like me to win over Ethan! So, lovely Mike, can you please come hang out with us? seriously please aren't you good with the ladies fine you know i can't say no to you i took clarice to a theme park she frowned the moment she saw mike um who's this i don't like strangers i smiled and said this is mike he's really cool and i don't care cindy what kind of situation did you drag me into man I had to ask myself that question. This wasn't what I envisioned it to be. The outing turned into a competition between them. Clarice challenged Mike to play game after game with her until she won. In the end, they played with the water guns, and I knew for sure Mike let her win. But as soon as he let go of his water gun, Clarice squirted water all over him, leaving him completely drenched. Oops. What on earth is this? That's the price for the loser. (laughs) Okay, Cindy, that's enough. Have fun. And he stormed off. Oh no, what have I done to him? I stood there dumbfounded, staring at Clarice. Okay, so it was kind of funny, but I couldn't laugh at my poor friend. I want ice cream. Clarice grinned, then skipped away. Hmm, ice cream. A girl after my own heart. On the way home, we talked so much about her fave show, The Babysitter's Club, and how Stacy is her favorite character. Hmm, maybe the day wasn't so bad after all. A few days later, Ethan returned, and I was really excited to see him. Thank you so much for taking care of Clarice. Meanwhile, I noticed Clarice was slowly backing out, with an awkward look on her face. I thought she'd be as happy as me to see him, but it didn't seem that way. Darling, are you okay? Are you sick? I... I'm okay. I need to go to my room. After that, at dinner, the question, Are you sick? was raised no less than ten times, and it made me feel sick too. I said I'm not sick, and I don't want to see a doctor! Ethan, I think Clarice is fine, so maybe stop asking her. Hearing that... Ethan seemed uncomfortable and turned away. Weird. What was wrong with them? Maybe this was just something they did. Hmm. Whatever it is, I wasn't enjoying this heavy atmosphere. The next day after lunch, Clarice was helping me clean the table while Ethan was packing to go on his next trip. She insisted on washing the dishes while I said goodbye to Ethan. We were hugging in the doorway when suddenly... I heard a loud scream coming from the kitchen. Ethan and I both rushed in there and saw Clarice crying as she gripped her hand. Ethan frantically asked, What happened? while I quickly searched for a first aid kit. I was washing the dishes, but I accidentally cut my hand. Cindy, I'm sorry. I wasn't being careful. Please don't punish me. What? What was she talking about? Ethan seemed to have the same question as me. Cindy always makes me do the chores. She told me if I do them badly, I can't have dinner. Huh? Why was she saying things that weren't true? Turning pale with shock, I muttered out, No, that's not true. I I don't want to stay here. Dad, let me go home. Clarice interrupted me as she was crying harder. I'm so sorry, but I have to go now. I don't even know if you're lying or not. How can you say that to me? Clarice shouted. You monster! Then she ran upstairs. I stood there not knowing what to do. My brain couldn't process what just happened. Ethan looked at me and sighed. Why didn't he say anything? He didn't honestly think I was capable of doing that. Did he? I decided I needed to confront Clarice about this. So, I went up to her room and calmly said, Clarice, why did you say that? You forced me to do all the chores. What? How can you lie like that? I never do such a thing. Oh, but are people going to believe you or a poor little girl? Oh, my God. There was me, thinking she was a sweet kid, when in actual fact, she was the complete opposite. I rushed outside and, shaking, I pulled my phone out. I called Mike and told him everything. Oh boy, that kid is complicated. Maybe she doesn't want you to be with her dad. But even so, what she did was weird. I think you should stay away from them. But how to? I couldn't just run away. Besides, Ethan was on his trip, again, and I was in charge of her. So I kept my distance. No more talking or having fun. But it seemed that Clarice had other ideas. I was watching TV in the living room when Clarice appeared and pulled my shirt. Cindy, I want you to play video games with me. The more silent I was, the harder she pulled. No, Clarice, I'm not in the mood. I shouted. Go play by yourself. Then I walked off. A few minutes later, Cass, a senior student, came over to give me some documents. We sat down and had some iced tea. Then suddenly, BAM! And a cry. Oh no! Cass and I rushed to the noise. Clarice had fallen down the stairs in the basement and was surrounded by the laundry basket and dirty clothes. Cass quickly ran down there and helped her up. Are you okay? What happened? Cindy told me to do the laundry in time. The basket was so full, so I slipped. No, no, no! I screamed inside my head when Cass gave me a concerned look. Cass, please, I'll explain later. Can you please leave? Why? I screamed at Clarice's face the moment Cass left. If you don't play with me, you'll be a child abuser. You'll have to go to jail. Ugh! This is driving me crazy! Just a few days ago, she wanted her dad to take her away from here, and now she's blackmailing me for not playing with her? Right at that moment, Ethan called. Hi, Cindy. I just want to check on you too. Is Clarice sick or anything? Ugh, what on earth is this? Am I crazy? Or are these two actually weird? OMG. I need Mike. Now. Please. Take me away from here, I said as I opened the door for Mike. Stop, Clarice shouted. You two can't go anywhere. Oh, now you're telling me what not to do? If you go, I'll tell the whole world how badly you've been treating me. You'll both go to jail. So that's your scam? Her smirk disappeared. She turned pale and stuttered. N- no, it-, it was my dad's. Your dad's scam? Clarice looked flustered as she realized what she had just blurted out, and she quickly covered it up. Nothing! Mike sat down and looked at her with stern eyes. I stood there, waiting for the answer. I... um... my daddy made me! Eventually, Clarice confessed. Turns out, Ethan was a professional scammer, who scams young, wealthy girls into giving him money. Worse, he dragged his daughter into his scheme. The plan went like this. He used his handsome looks to flirt with the girls, then Clarice's cuteness to get the girls' empathy. After that, he would go on some last-minute business trip and ask them to take care of Clarice. Meanwhile, Clarice would pretend to be seriously sick. When Ethan arrived back, he would persuade the girls to hand over money for hospital fees, then he and Clarice would disappear out of their lives. At first he told me to do what he said and he'd get me a bike. What about the abusing lie you made up? I asked, still shocked. I made up that excuse so dad would take me away. I really like you, so I don't want his plan to work. Then why did you continue to act up? Because Cindy was mad at me and I wanted her to play with me, so I pulled that trick again tears streamed down my face unbelievable i voluntarily stepped into his trap right at the beginning he didn't even have to do much i felt like such an idiot after that we exposed ethan clarice helped us too turns out he's bankrupt which is why his wife left him and why he's no longer my dad's business partner ethan was arrested but clarice's mom was out of the country and she refused to return for her daughter. To be honest, I love Clarice, and I didn't want her to live in the orphanage. So I let her live at my place for a while before I told my parents everything. Obviously, my parents have more capacity and power to deal with this. It took a while for Clarice to get over her guilt and settle in, but now we get on better than ever. She's a sweet, cute girl who deserves far better than her parents have given her. Then one day, I came back home from college to find Clarice placing some roses on the dining table, which was already romantically set up with candles and steak. Cindy, you're back! How can you prepare a full dinner like this? Clarice didn't say anything. She just giggled and ran to her room. Someone hugged me from behind. Would you mind being my date tonight? It was Mike. Thinking about it, I guess my perfect man was right under my nose this entire time. So, grinning, I turned around and replied, I thought you'd never ask.
4: Share this podcast to all social media TikTok, Instagram.
1: One evening, as always, I was returning from college. My favorite music was playing in my headphones. Suddenly, my head began to ring so much that I lost my orientation in space. I grabbed my head, my legs began to shake, and everything went black. I fell on the ground and apparently passed out. When I woke up, I was already in the hospital. There was no one around me, which was strange. The doctors were not guarding me at my bed and and reacted to my seizure calmly for one reason, thanks to the medical card, which I was always carrying with me, they had already been aware of my disease. This disease is quite rare, and because of it, I might lose consciousness a couple of times a month, sometimes even more often, just like that day. In other words, I'm used to waking up in hospitals. Living with this illness is very difficult. For example, I might get hurt if I fall. There were times when I woke up without my belongings and my phone. Someone had stolen them. I also never go out during winter because I'm afraid of losing consciousness and freezing to death. Ah, in general, it sucks. The doctors at the hospital patched me up and told me to be more careful in the future. Yes, I would gladly do so, but how? I was already leaving the hospital when one of the doctors ran up to me. He handed me a business card and told me to call the phone number on it. According to him, in this place, I could be helped with my disease. Since the disease did not allow me to live a normal life, I firmly decided to call the indicated number as soon as I returned home. But before calling, I decided to look for information about this place on the internet. Strangely, my query didn't return any results. I was already beginning to doubt whether it was worth messing with these guys. Lost in thought, I looked out the window. Little, beautiful snowflakes were falling outside the window. Winter was just around the corner. I loved and hated winter at the same time. My illness did not give me a chance to enjoy this time of year. And it was precisely the unwillingness to be locked up for several months that made me, nevertheless, dial the number indicated on the business card. A stern voice in the receiver told me the address and the next day I went there. The building was located on the outskirts of the city, far from my house, and it was very inconvenient to get there. I even walked a couple of kilometers on foot. Approaching the large iron gate, I saw the guards. They asked me to introduce myself and inform who was waiting for me. They found my name on the list and finally let me in. The place looked more like a prison and not like an innovative scientific center specialized in incurable diseases. I decided that perhaps their treatment methods were so unique that they should be kept in the utmost security. The scene inside the building cleared up all my doubts. I saw dozens of people in white coats and some kind of mysterious equipment. The same doctor from the hospital came up to me. He praised me for my courage and trust in them and promised that from that moment my life would change. He seemed very nice. Dr. Archer, that was his name, brought me to the other patients. It seemed that there were about 50 of them. The same as me, each of them suffered from some serious illness and dreamed of being free from it. The doctor spoke into the microphone, and everyone present heard his voice coming from the speakers. He said that the medicine we would be taking was experimental. This did not exclude side effects. He paused, obviously expecting a reaction from us. Side effects? Well, that's something new. The patients in the room began talking loudly. Someone headed towards the exit. I decided to stay. I no longer wanted to be hostage to my own disease. There were only seven volunteers left. Archer brought us some papers that needed to be signed. I read the text and there was nothing suspicious about it, just a standard remission of claim. I calmly put my signature down. The doctor explained that for the next few days, we would be undergoing various tests and have some samples taken. This would help to understand whether the medication would be effective in our case. He invited us to go to our rooms. I did not expect that I would have to stay here for a long time. However, when I saw the room, I was pleasantly surprised. All doubts were cleared up. It was excellent. For the next few days, various professors and scientists took blood from us and for some reason asked us to take tests to identify the level of our intelligence. We were even put in some sort of centrifuge, similar to the one in which astronauts train. It was almost the same, only slightly smaller. I was hoping that the overloads for us would also not be so serious. One morning, Dr. Archer knocked on my room. He said that there was news for me and the other patients and asked to follow him. Archer gathered all the remaining volunteers and said that, unfortunately, not all of us had passed the test, only two out of seven people. He opened the folder and read the names. The first name he announced was a young guy with whom I had already made friends, Peter Green. He came here because of his heart problems. At this point, I already began to worry. After all these endless tests, I really didn't want to go home with nothing. Dr. Archer adjusted his glasses and suddenly said my name, Julia Thatcher. I took a step forward, barely restraining the urge to rush to the doctor and hug him, but I managed to cope with my emotions. The doctor explained that we would be staying and the other volunteers had to leave. People started protesting because they also wanted to get this wonder medicine, but then the guards entered the room. Seeing them, the volunteers reluctantly began to leave the premises. There were three of us left. The doctor took us to another room. He assured us by explaining that they had to send away those people because the medicine could have caused severe side effects on them. But our test results showed that the risk of getting a side effect was only 1%. After these words, we sighed with relief. The doctor opened some safe. I saw many mysterious test tubes and two syringes filled with some kind of glowing green liquid. Archer said that now all our sufferings would come to an end. We approached the doctor. He gave injections to Peter and me by slowly inserting the vaccine. When he started injecting me with this green liquid, I felt an intolerable itch in my eyes, as if soap had gotten into them. Peter, on the other hand, was acting strange. His look became somehow wild, and he suddenly rushed at the doctor. Luckily, the guards came up in time and Peter was taken out of the office. Doctor said that all of these effects were temporary, And recommended that I go to my room to rest and recover strength. I did as I was told. However, one of the guards, for some reason, walked me all the way to the room and locked the door with a key as soon as I got inside. Dr. Archer came to see me again in the evening. I complained to him that I was not feeling well and said that I wanted to go home. The doctor was no longer as friendly as he had been. He did not comment on my words in any way and instead began to ask me questions. Archer asked how my eyes were. I replied that they seemed to be burning. The doctor smiled and suddenly his face changed. He jumped up from the chair and started insulting and threatening me. He said that I was just a laboratory rat and would never get out of here again. I was shocked. Finally, I realized how stupid I had been to voluntarily arrive at this evil clinic. Fear, anger, and resentment were so strong that I could not help bursting into tears. But the doctor, seeing me cry, started laughing. Several salty drops fell on the floor. I noticed that they were greenish in color and suddenly burned through the floor. They seemed to be very poisonous. Archer was clearly pleased with what he saw. Without a word, he left the room. I noticed that he had come to me on his own. There was no guard at the door. Several questions bothered me. What happened to me? Why were my tears burning my eyes and literally burning everything around? And was it true that I would not leave the walls of this strange place ever again? My head was aching unbearably. There was no strength left in me. I tried to sleep. When I woke up in the morning, I decided to leave the room and found out that the door was locked. In a panic, I started banging on it with my fists. The door flew open. And there was Dr. Archer with two guards standing in the doorway. Mad with anger, I rushed to the doctor with my fists, but one of the guards pushed me away. You're a liar! I shouted. Where is the lie here? The doctor asked with a smile. He showed me the documents in his hands. It was the agreement where I put my signature not so long ago. Here is your consent to conduct experiments. Conditions have been met. The medicine worked. You no longer have to be afraid of suddenly passing out. But I must confess, I have cheated a little. He added, grinning, I left you with Peter. Not because you were the only ones with minimal risk of side effects, but because the medicine was supposed to affect you in a special way. Your side effects are very unusual and would be very useful for our organization. Your tears contain the strongest poison. For you, this poison is safe, but for others, it is deadly. This poison is the newest, most sophisticated chemical weapon, and its traces cannot be found. The doctor said that Peter also showed some abilities, but they were absolutely useless for the organization. I was shocked by what I had heard. All I wanted was just to be cured of my disease. I don't want to kill anyone. You'll have to cry a little. The doctor handed me an empty test tube and nodded to the guards to make me fulfill his assignment, but their help was not necessary. I was very frightened, hurt, and unbearably homesick. Tears literally gushed out of my eyes. Surprisingly, the poison did not corrode the walls of the flask. Apparently, it was made of a special material. Seeing that I was obediently collecting my tears into it, the doctor and his guards departed. I was crying and filling the flask with my tears. Tears kept dripping and dripping until the container was filled to the brim. At first, I still had a glimmer of hope that everything that was happening was just a nightmare and I would soon wake up, but time was passing and nothing was changing. The doctor continued to threaten me and demanded more and more test tubes to be filled with poisonous tears. I no longer knew how long I had been within the walls of this terrible laboratory and just dreamed of getting out, but how to do that? The answer came suddenly at the very moment when I was handing over another flask filled with tears. Here it was, my ticket to freedom. I decided to run away, choosing the moment when the flask with the poison had not yet been taken from me. Sneaking up to the door, I looked through the keyhole. There was no guard. It seemed that someone did not take his job very seriously. I poured some of the poisonous liquid into the keyhole. A hissing sound came from inside, and very soon a small hole was gaping in the door. I pushed the door and found myself in the corridor. No one from the employees was there, just a lot of closed doors to the right and left. Some of them were made of glass, and behind them I could make out empty rooms with gray walls. They were all empty, except for one. I stopped and looked closely. Huddled in a corner, there was Peter sitting on the floor. I knocked on the door. Peter heard it, jumped to his feet, rushed to the door and began pounding on it. I did not know what they had done to him, but he behaved like an animal and looked accordingly. I gestured to him to be quiet, but he continued pounding. He didn't seem to recognize me at all. I swear I wanted to free him, but then a siren went off in the hallway. I heard the approaching footsteps and shouts of the guards. I could not risk that. I could get caught. Looking into Peter's empty eyes, I realized that there was nothing left of my friend. I had to leave him. The guards were already close. I had to hide somewhere, so I ran down the corridor. Suddenly, I saw garbage cans and a garbage chute next to them. With nothing left to do, I jumped into it and slid down the dark pipe until I fell on the bags. As I jumped, I was still holding the flask with the remains of the poison in my hand. But after falling, I dropped it. I tried to find it among the bags, but it was useless. There was no time for a search. I had to get out. I moved forward gropingly, not knowing where I was going. Suddenly, I bumped into the grate. I tried to squeeze between the bars, but I couldn't. That was it. My escape was over. I was heartbroken. I remembered everything that I had to go through and the empty eyes of Peter behind the glass door. Covering my face with my hands, I burst into tears. Tears were burning my palms. And suddenly, it struck me tears well of course i put my hands wet with tears on the bars of the grate the metal hissed as tears began to eat away at it i managed to burn out a small hole in the bars i was able to squeeze through it but the guards would never have been able to do so To my great happiness, I soon found myself on the street. Freedom! Finally! I looked around and suddenly noticed the road. Cars were driving past every now and then. One of them immediately stopped when the driver saw me. I explained to him that I had gotten lost and really wanted to go home. He asked where to take me. I thought that I could not go home. They would be looking for me there in the first turn. So I asked the driver where he was going, and hearing the direction said that I needed there as well. I was hoping that the magical medication would help me to cope with my disease, and now I would have to hide for the rest of my days, fearing that the employees of the mysterious organization would find me. I'm sure that they are still looking for me. It's really scary. scary that my abilities can be used to harm other people. Where can I ask for help? Maybe some kind of institution?